This is Comic Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. How you doing, man? Hey, John. <laughs> hey, so you know, after blowing off the uh, global manga thing last last time, I figured, hey, time to give, go ahead and give it its due. Okay. Okay. So, John, do you know what I do you know what I mean when I t- when I say global manga? Uh, no. What is global manga? Okay, global manga is basically um, it's kind of it's manga only it's created by people created by people who aren't aren't Japanese and don't live in Japan. Okay, mostly. gotcha. Yeah, basically it's like after the it's it's got a bit roots going back back further than that, but basically like after manga blew up in the blew up in the early two thousands, like all people created a whole new generation of fans who basically said, hey, you know what, that looks cool. I'd like to do this too instead of actually like just you know going going and creating like um like regular like um normal American comics like through like like Marvel DC or like some sort of indie com- comics publisher or whatnot. So, so these are black and white volumes about the same size uh, that of manga, uh, except probably not flip backwards, uh, but in, in the normal format. Right, and like a lot of this, like a lot of like um, a lot of this stuff. I mean, like, you look at it and you tell like, oh, wait, this is this looks kind of like manga, but it's not, it's not quite, but it's not quite, you know. I think Tokyo I mean, Pop was really popular for publishing a lot of those too. Isn't that correct? They, they were, but I've also read that they said it eventually became unprofitable for them because they said that some of their best best-selling releases only sold like about half of what some of their top top manga ti- manga license titles were selling. And there's also a bit of controversy over the fact that um, Tokyo Pop also insisted on having um, like ownership, like co-ownership rights for a lot of their stuff, mm. co-ownership or full ownership. Which you know, like, hey, that worked out. That's worked out well for uh, Marvel and DC over the years. So the fact that it's alienated a lot of um, creators and just resulted in a generally stagnant industry. But hey, that's a subject for another time. <laughs> Still, but you know, I get to that in good time. But I have to. But um, any um, sub. Yeah, I talk about this. So it has to um, begin with like what I feel is like probably one of the godfathers of of this style. I mean, basically, if it wasn't for this guy's work, you'd probably be re- hearing a much more negative podcast about this stuff. Like I'm talking about um, Adam Warren, uh, John. Like that that name ring any, ring any bells for you? Um, Warren does, but not Adam. Oh, Warren. <laughs> Adam Warren. Warren. Yeah. W a r r e n, huh? Uh, no, it doesn't yes. ring any bells. Okay, because well, well, um, he Warren is best like among other things is best known for um the for being the artist and um, eventual writer on the um, English language um versions of the Dirty Pair. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. The English language version. So the translations. Oh no, these are actually these are actually um original English language creations. Um, basically, Dark Horse licensed the rights to um produce Dirty Pair comics. Uh-huh. Um, back in the day. Um, the first three volumes were, ri- were written by Torrin Smith, um, the founder of Studio Proteus, and illustrated by Adam Warren. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, Warren took over the um, writing ch- chores for the, um, for, the ser- for the series about um, ha- like with um, subsequent three miniseries that were produced. And um, I've I've read all of them. The first two, um, um, Biohazards and Dangerous Acquaintances, are just kind of like you know standard girls with guns, um, like mayhem and stuff. Generally, um, if you Generally, I wouldn't say they're worth your time, but things pick up immensely with the third volume, A Plague of Angels, which has have Kay and Yuri um, being um, like be, being um, shadowed by a, a reporter as they chase a uh, they chase a um, cra- crazed android throughout this throughout the space station. Hmm. Now, um, now, War- now, uh, Warren's um, stu- like Warren stuff. He 
like he, he's always taken a much more satirical approach to the to the dirty parrots. Like basically, that guy's like, yes, they're the um, archetype for like, girls with guns type type stuff. And so like, well, what well, what what kind of stuff? Do we, where do we go f- go from there? Like, how do we have the? Like, and he acknowledges the fact that yes, these are like scantily clad women going around blowing, blowing shit up, um, and and look and like um giving us a whole bunch of fan service in the process. But he but in acknowledging acknowledging it, he makes it um a lot easier to take, and also it's like. In fact, um, gives it a nice sense of self-satire as well. I mean, like, well, Plague of Angels was fun. The subsequent volumes, um, oh, let's see if I can remember this, um, Sim Hell, which basically have um, Ken Yuri being um, put through a uh, virtual virtual reality um, te- test by one by one of their crazy superiors, and also, um, uh, was it um, Deadly but Not Serious, which basically has them going to their own own convention, which basically a bunch of um, cra- crazed fan bunch of crazed fanboys have. Um, Crazed fan culture has sprung up in in relation to their um, wanted acts of destruction, and eventually, like the eventually turns on them after this um, bi- after this bioweapon is introduced in, into the convention. It's great, it's good stuff, and especially the last volume, Run from the Future, which is just at, Warren just going nuts, throw, throwing every single um, cra- crazed future scientific concept he can at at the reader, and comes comes off pretty well, even if it is just style over substance. Now. The reason this is significant for me is because, like, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed this stuff, and like, you know, I didn't even think about the fact that, hey, you know, basically it's just like a, like, it's like a bunch of white guys doing a bunch, like, I'm ta- uh, making their own interpretations of, um, like, of Japanese cult, Japanese culture, and like, you know, like, I just look at this and say, hey, you know, it's just another licensed product from Dark Horse. I mean, hey, it's cool; they do this stuff all the time. So once all this um, original, once just all this global manga stuff started popping up, my knee-jerk reaction was to think that, oh, you know, these are a bunch of like a bunch of um, fakers trying to um, try to cash in on this thing. They're just like just right riding the wave. It's like it's there's no merit to this at all. You're just like um, cop- copying a trend. Then then it occurs to me, oh, wait a second. But that's basically what Adam Warren and Torrin Smith were doing back in the day. So hmm, maybe there's more to this stuff um, than I first thought. Now I haven't. I was like I don't have a huge stuff, huge collection of this stuff because most of it like is actually um, fa- fairly derivative and. And kind of unoriginal, and there's also a lot of stuff that basically has, you know, really manga influenced, but doesn't actually um have any, have a lot of um, but it's not actually like, like say um like it's not trying to be um like manga itself. Like I point to um Stan Sakai's Sagi Yojimbo and um Kazukibuichi's um Amulet um series of graphic novels. Both they've clearly got Japanese influences, but they're not not doing doing a strictly manga style um per per se. Now. Now, as far as I can, now basically, looking through my library here, the first thing off the top of my head I can grab here is um, Dramacon by Svetlana Chmakova. Now, this is a series that um, it's about about this girl. It's about this girl, Christy. She's an art. She's a budding artist who's who's got this um, um got this comic she's doing with a friend of hers. And it's basically like the first volume. It's three volumes, and the first one covers her covers her trips to this to this convention. Now. Um, it's now to be honest, like I am so far out of the target demographic for this thing. It's funny. I mean, it's it's basically intended for um, for teenage fangirls, but I gotta admit, I like this. I mean, she's got yeah, she she she's got she loves using the chibi stuff. It's like it's um, for for art, but uh, it's but her style's got a real real um, high real high high sense of energy, and she's. And it's great, and um, it, it's and her art is really is really cool cool to look at. I mean, she's 
and she's got a great sense of great sense of style, great sense of energy, and she knows how to tell a story. It's a lot. Let's see, it's it's a lot of fun, and even any of the first volume has some growing pains. Basically, it shows her um, meeting up with like going to the convention with her boyfriend, who I can't remember his name. I think it was um, Derek, but he's basically just asshole boyfriend because he's just you know, being an asshole throughout the entire volume, <laughs> and eventually meeting up with um, yeah with her uh, with her true love Matt, like a like a like a sensitive soul who lost lost an eye in in an accident. He's also got a deeply sarcastic side, but it. It's just like you look at these two, and it's just like, hey, it's like it's it's love at first sight. You're meant to be together. Now, the first volume just has a whole lot of complications and like getting eventually getting them together. And the second volume um, actually does a great job in dispensing with a lot of these complications, while at the same time introducing some new ones. It's the second volume is like is the high point of the series, as it does a job like like not having like a, a strict plot to follow, but just a lot of. Um, just, just a lot of the incident, like last, a lot of incidents and scenes, just um, strung together to string together to form a loose narrative. But all these scenes are pretty entertaining, even if the point where she, um, where um, we can tell that she's doing her, uh, well, Svetlana is doing her own little uh, take on why the, uh, um, like um, I'm just like I'm, um, getting acceptance for for global for global manga. I mean, a lot of this, I mean, like. On one hand, I can understand a lot of the arguments for this, but to be honest, the point is, I mean, she does the whole uh, pizza argument, which I think is, um, it's, inter- it's an interesting argument, arguing the fact that, hey, you know what, if you like pizza, it's like, hey, you know, it's like, why, like that saying, manga's like pizza, I mean, like, hey, if you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, in the sense that, hey, it's like, pizza is like a food from, it's food from another country, if you're, like, if you want, and hey, if you're not asking for real pizza, like, real Italian pizza, then you know, like it's kind of the same thing, but, <laughs> but yeah. But the other thing, but the thing with that is, I realize, like, you know, pizza's gotten to the point where, hey, hey, you know what? I wasn't raised on Italian pizza. I was raised on Round Table, the king of all pizzas, yeah. like, from down the block from. So, I mean, it's like I went ahead, like that's that's the um that's the only issue that this that whole that global manga faces in the fact that it hasn't been around for a while, and we can actually still clearly tell like what's like what's from America, what's what's in Japan. Right. And just make judgments based on that. Uh-huh. But still, like DramaCon's, it's a lot of fun. Even if the third volume does fall back on a lot of um, traditional, uh, like uh, traditional problems, as um, as Christie's um, part partner Beth, um, artistic partner Bethany, um, I'm getting into some conflicts with their mother about wh- what she wants to do with the rest of her life. It's it's not bad, but it's also, but I I kept, but I kept feeling like the, like the second volume is still the high point in the series. Mm. All right. Now, since then, um, Svetlana has gone on to um, create a new series for Yen Press because uh, you know those um, ownership issues I was talking about with Tokyo Pop. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently she she was on the wrong end of that, and okay. now she's got her own own series through Yen Press. Ah, yeah. So this is called Night School, the, the Weirn Books, and it's about and it's a bit, the high concept of the series. It's about takes about a high school where um, creatures <laughs> of the night, where werewolves. Werewolves, vampires, um, ghosts, and other like other creatures um, go to go to earn their diplomas and stuff for like you know, monster type stuff. Okay. Now, I like this series. It's about this is basically it focuses on Alex, say a uh, homeschooled, it's like a homeschooled um witch who uh, who eventually has to finds out she has to attend school after her um after her sister go disappears and suddenly no one can re- remember um where she. Um, where where she came from, 
So she has to go to the school school her sister was teaching at in order to um, track down the mis track down things and find out what what exactly was going on. Now, I I like this. Now I like generally like the series so far. It shows that she's improved that Svetlana's has improved as an artist. Like she's um, t- definitely tackling tackling a much sort of much more broader in scope. It's much more tightly plotted. But the issue I have with it is more of a world building thing because you know. Like I like the, I mean, the idea of like a school for fool monsters. I mean, that's a cute high concept. It's kind of like you know, it owes a bit to Harry Potter and all, but you know, hey, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best. But the problem is that there's all these other bits about the world that she hasn't gotten around to explaining yet that I feel are kind of crucial to the conflict. Because like apparently there's there is a there are warring factions in this world. Now I'd like to be able to talk to you more about these factions, but apparently like. But she hasn't gotten around to explaining them yet, because like you got the Nightkin and you got the, the humans, the hunters, who are apparently like at war or like um, out to police the, uh, the these creatures. Like it's not it's not made entirely clear. And, and it's like I'd love to know more about this like this treaty that they supposedly have together. Like what the uh, why the humans apparently like are living are living in uh, why the human hunters are like living in uh, in um, warehouses and. And whatnot. It's, I mean, on one hand, like, yeah, I, I, it's good enough that I, it makes me want to uh, learn about this stuff. But on the other hand, like, I'm still waiting for an explanation. And also, this, like, the thing is, like, um, three, the first three, they're up to volume three, with um, volume four coming out, I believe, in October. And um, we're still on the introductory arc. So, I mean, it's like, it's just. And it's like, I don't know if she's planning to um, do more beyond this, but it's just. For like four volumes for for the for the introductory arc that just um I feels like way too much. I don't think it, not even Harry not even the first volume of Harry Potter was that was that long. So but you know that's but I'm comparing apples to oranges here like in text text versus um yeah graphic novel which is com- yeah versus yeah sequential art. So but still I mean it's like a, I I can't help but thinking that like this could have been condensed down to like a to like a like a six issue miniseries um. If Marvel had had done it, but it would have been like very very different had done that. So let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, all right. Moving on to um, something what I think is kind of, I think it's like kind of like a forgotten classic or a, a minor classic in my opinion. That's um, Neotopia by Rod Espinoza. This is published by um, Antarctic Press, who I believe are still around, and they were like some of the earliest people to jump on the uh, um, um, global manga bandwagon back in the days when referred to as something like, say, a mirror manga or original English language manga. They, they made their name with titles like Ninja High School and Gold Digger. But Neotopia is kind of like uh, the short short version I, I can give you for the series is kind of like a um, hi, it's like kind of like a uh, hippie tree hugger version of Nashka the Valley of Wind with a um the more more um like tropical island bent to it. Now, basically, it's the story of um. Of Nal of Nalan, a, uh, a a lowly servant servant girl who um spends her time um pretending that she's the, uh, the um, Grand Duchess of the country of Methenia because the real Grand Duchess like wants to uh, just wants to like um rock and roll all day and party every night. Um, Nalan just basically um winds up taking just taking over her her um her her, her, her duchessly duties and just doing her own thing, but just get getting getting a beat down because, because whenever she doesn't does the wrong thing now. Like, you know the problem, problems begin when when the armies of, of 
the lands of um, Krosos. They're the um, you can tell they're the bad guys because they're all. Because whenever you see them, they're all done in very. They're like very. They've got. So they're done. They're drawn in very dark colors. They've got like um, really nasty mecha, mecha looks to them, and also very 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 ghostly um, wizards and stuff. They basically want to um, take take over the world and basically bring back an bring back the um, age age of industry. So basically, you want to make just want to like make things make things mechanized, make things more like they are in our world today, as opposed to the how things are in the current age of enlightenment of the series, where everyone's like everyone's been in harmony with nature, everyone gets along. These guys want to bring go ahead and bring bring back the ways of man to this world. Now, it's now the thing is this is a good I it's a good all ages book. Now it's because it's got a great great sense of adventure, very very well defined characters and. In in the world in, in the way of Nalan, her um, like her um, her love her love her um, quasi love interest Philos, the uh, the boy who loves tinkering with like the tech of the old world, her um, dolphin buddy Kiak, her um, brownie friend Nim. It's like it's a fun it's a fun it's it's a, it's a great it's a good cast, and even though like you'll spot that some of these characters like were kind of like borrowed from other from other um, more notable notable works of science fiction and fantasy like uh, Star Wars, for example. <laughs> um, it's still, it still does. Um, Espinosa does a great job of like the, of defining the characters and and developing his world as well. And the art is actually really really phenomenal. I mean, this is the volumes that they've released are in like like manga sized for, format. But I think this cannot only the art cannot only be stand tend to be blown up to standard um, like comic book dimensions, but um, even but even bigger than that to um, like like oversized Marvel hardcover di- dimensions. It's that. Oh, damn it! Epic story that um that ties ties things up nicely. I mean, it's like it's it's good, it's great fun. I re- great fun. I really really enjoyed reading it. And I also want want to go ahead and read more stuff from Espinosa. But the only thing I've I'm aware that he's done recently is like a, a retelling of um Alice in Wonderland. I'm just that doesn't really uh, grab me by any means. But by by all means, if you like. If if you like good adventure stuff, then I remind you of uh, of Nashka the Valley of Wind. By all means, pick up all four volumes of Neotopia. And if you're a kid, then um, hey, hey, you're gonna love this too. Because like I I've been showing passing this, some of this stuff off to um one of the one of my coworkers' kids, and um she tells me that she loves this stuff. So Ooh. okay, now getting to a more recent thing, and this is um something I picked up at Comic Con. This is um King of RPGs, um written by the um. But by the man, the myth, the legend, Jason Thompson. Now, I've talked a bit about on the main side how I love love hearing this guy speak at Comic Con. He's also written a manga, The Complete Guide, and with the King of RPGs, the man proves that he can that he can write as well as he can speak. Now, okay, and it's it's got illustrations by a guy named Victor Howe. Now, Howe's a Howe's a good, competent storyteller, even though this a lot of this stuff strikes me as very rough around the edges in terms of like taking character. How, look at the characters, the anatomy in the world, but like, but it's a good, it's a good first effort, and I can see how we can, how I can get better from here. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Basically, the plot of this story involves some, um, involves um, start starts off with um with the arrival of Shesh Maccabee, like a high school, like a college freshman at at the University of Escondido, and okay, and he's basically, and basically he's a recovering um on, online. Online gaming addict. Basically, he was like he like he he was one of those guys that that you that that um just like spent all his time like 
big, um, going on World of Warcraft and just like leveling up to the point where he basically developed a separate personality that where he he just went went around and just like um role played as his, his online character at the time. Unfortunately, with a lot of therapy and a lot of meds, he was he's able to be cured of his addiction, and th- until the day he's he winds up getting into a pe- tabletop RPG session, which with a game master named named Theodore. Now Theodore's um like one of those like hardcore hardcore DMs who's all about like getting people wants to get people into the um into the let's see into the um realm of the into the once you experience it as as it is like just give like um he's he makes you want to make you feel that you're in that dark dark dungeon complete with um cockroaches snakes and like um dungeon smells which he all which he does bring to his gaming session at all <laughs> now after after a um after the initial session winds up bringing out um she- um Cheshire's personality as 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 a cra- as a crazed thief um Theodore realizes that he that Chesh has the potential to be the, one of the greatest role players ever like a guy who gets so into his char- characters that that it's that he just su- supersedes um all like all other facets of his personality the problem is that um is that Chesh's personality is like a very is a very one note violent type that loves to cr- cause lots of chaos, chaos and destruction, and that and that gets him from when he crosses paths with with Gavin, one of the the let's say a guy who likes to um guy likes to make his make his money trying trying to trying to like um get get all the um give all people all the big, all the good deals on on games and like and profit at their at their expense. Hmm. Now this leads to a great big showdown with a new game, but but this is but overall, it's like I was really impressed with with this volume. I mean, it's like maybe because like not only does um Thompson do a do good job capturing the uh, the spirit the spirit of college and the men, and the gamer mentality. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is a very very nerdy book, but it's but it's written by a man who clearly has great passion for this stuff. And, and hey, even if, and um I'll admit that if you're not into this kind of stuff, you might be turned off, but but um, Thompson's passion for this kind of passion and knowledge about this kind of stuff. I mean, if you've ever been involved in like a, a tabletop RPG session, a lot of this stuff is going to be in be immediately familiar to you because he just gets the rhythms of the characters and and their and their and their gaming sessions down, down stone cold. It's it's also impressive by the fact that he pulls off a couple cool narrative tricks because it starts off you start off thinking that the um with um with um Shish's buddy Mike. Um, the, the nerdy um, anime gamer um, type. He's the kind of guy who oh he he role, he role plays girls um, all the time. He's that kind of guy, and um, it's like and he and but he serves but Mike's only here to serve as a point of view character just to get you acquainted with the cast. And as soon as um, Theodore shows up, um, he he's quickly um, dropped by the wayside as as Shesh and Theodore take over as the as as the real um, co-protagonist of this series. The other thing is that. A lot of this stuff, you know, teeters at the edge of being completely unrealistic. I mean, some of this stuff, like Chesh's, pers- Chesh's personality, the um, the lengths that Theodore goes to to immerse people in in a game, the uh, dungeon that the uh, one of the game store owners has underneath his his place. I mean, a lot of stuff might seem completely unrealistic, but you think, but if you think about it, you think, no, technically, I can imagine stuff like this actually happening in real life. Just, you know, it's just completely unlikely. But he does a good job of achieving this hyper-real, um, this feeling of hyper-reality in this, like, in, in this volume. And I'm 
really looking forward to seeing where he goes with this. Like, he told me at the con that um, Volume 2 should be out um, in the near future. But so I'm looking, definitely looking forward to picking this up. And, hey, if you're, if you're a gamer, if you're not... If you're a tabletop game, you're going to mute yourself to pick, pick this up, too. Um, everyone else, well, depends on, depends on how, how core of a nerd you are. Because, like, it's, it's like, I thoroughly enjoy this, and it's – and, like, I highly recommend it to anyone else who's look, looking at this stuff. Now, next time I want to talk about is someone who actually achieved the, achieved the ideal, the dream of, like, actually creating Japanese manga. This is um, this is um, Pipochu um, by Felipe Smith. Now – I say he gave the dream because, like, he this is actually this actually is manga by um, conventional standards. Because yeah, he's a he's yeah, he's an American guy, but he also he also went he's also lives in Japan and he created this for a manga magazine published in Japan in um in authentic um right right to left um right to left format. I mean, it's published by mm-hmm. published by Vertical and um in like in an unflipped format. So basically, by all standards, sensible standards, like it is manga. It's so, like on one hand, it's a, essentially it's a watershed moment for for a lot of creators. Be saying, hey, you know what? If you if you have the energy and the passion, you can be a real legit creator of manga here. That being said, how is this um how is this series as a uh, as like as like the watermark for all like for future standards? Well, oh, you know, I don't think it's bad, but let's just say that. I can definitely see room, that there's lots of room for improvement here because the thing is, um, like I hear about, I've heard about like um, Smith's um, energy and passion for creating comics, and the thing is, and that's evident from from the very beginning of the, the series. But the problem, but it's thing is, it's he di- it's dialed way up to eleven from the ve- like basically from the very beginning, and when you start out at that level. Like just maintaining that energy throughout the uh, throughout the um, throughout the rest of the volume. Like, well, it is not only a tough and b if you do manage to um, be com- completely um, go go like operate at that level, you're just you're just going to wear the um, audience out. And that's not to mention the fact that um, that it's that it's lots and lots of gratuitous um, sex and violence here. Now, I gen- now generally I'm not one to complain about this kind of stuff, but it is, but I will say that it is truly gratuitous here, to to the point where it's like you know, it's like if I you could have just toned this down to PG thirteen levels, and um you wouldn't have missed anything at all. But okay, I realize I've gotten ahead of myself here, and um I haven't told you anything about about what this is what this is about. Now, the story is basically about um, Milton, a re- ultra hardcore um geeky um on like um anime fan who. Like who, lo- who loves um, loves this um, show called Ipochu, which bears no resemblance to any um, anime that I've ever seen, but it's just meant to capture the like, the whole alien like crazy Jap- crazy Japanese um, like style of other shows. Like um, the nearest analog for something like this I can think of is um, Jungle Wa Itsumo Hale no Chigu, which is just anyone who's seen it just knows it's absolutely batshit insane. But not to the point of um, narrative incoherence that that the, um, that the uh, series we see here is. And um, you look at this, and but Milton, it's like he's a hard kid to identify with because he's just so ridiculously um, fanboyish that it's hard. That on one hand, like even if you um, 
it's hard to like really like identify or empathize with him because he's just so ridiculously into this into this material. I mean, like even if you are like like him, you're just gonna want to you're gonna look at him and say, "No, I'm not that bad." But chances are the only people way people look at him and say, "Yeah," people look at him and say, like, "Yeah, I know other people are that crazy," but you know, like, I don't want to spend an entire volume with this kid. And but he's also interesting in the sense that he's also he also has to pretend to be like a hardcore gangster when he's going to school, and that's that's the thing that gives me hope for the series because this is a series about because well it's been said Japan is just like a country of masks people have got their public faces and their private faces and that's that's something that's um, touched upon in this volume because all because um, Milton has those hit the comic the guy who owns the comic comic store that he frequents has those looks he, well he's a mild mannered comic book owner um, comic store owner by day he's a crazy he's a crazy mercenary serial killer by night. And then you've got the crazy um, like Japanese gangster, um, who, who like who wants to be like be a hardcore yakuza, but is but originally started out as a um really as a um, pathetic nobody. And then his but his um his older um superior who is an actual gangster, but is now trying to go legit. I I want to see where he goes with this stuff, but um, but so far it's just like com- so completely and ridiculously over the top that. Um, I worry that it's going to do nothing but trade in shock value throughout the uh, throughout the rest of the series. But the uh, next but the next volume um, is is due for release in a in a couple in in a couple weeks. Um, so hopefully I have more to say about this right here. But still, for first for first eff- effort, you know, I don't know. To be honest, if I was going to um, show people the um, be- like the best that Amer- that Golden Mungo um, had had to put forth. I would have given, I would have um, sent them some of the other stuff I've talked about um, to do that. But you know, maybe that's that's what it, this is what it takes in order to su- succeed in Japan. But oh well, we'll 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 see where it goes from here. Okay, last but not least, we're coming full circle to talk about um, Adam Warren's um, current work, Empowered, which is due for a new volume, I believe, um, either later this month or next. Now. Empowered is a story of a is a story of of a girl I really know as as empowered or uh, M for short who has who basically has like um get superpowers through her super suit which is um e- which is um skin tight um easily torn which leaves her in lots of compromising positions making matters even worse is that power her her powers are proportional to to how intact her suit is so the more torn it gets the less the less effective she becomes, and well, huh. and we'll like yeah, I'll just leave that to your imagination. All right. Yeah. Fortunately, it's like <clears throat> I mean, and the series is is kind of series kind of trades on like that kind of superhero um, bondage imagery, but which isn't surprising because like this the character started out as a series of um, bondage uh, superhero bondage sketches um, that some guy commissioned from Warren, but it actually um, but it's actually um, like. I'm progressing a bit beyond that. I mean, he trades still trades a lot in bit in superhero fan service, but um, it's but uh, he doesn't but he doesn't make it exclusively about um, like humiliating his main his main character. And it's actually um fun to see her event see her see her triumph. And she like um get a uh, she gets a decent gets a decent boyfriend. Eventually triumphs over some of her her villains, but but you know it's like ultimately it's like she's she's still um not definitely not a list material. And um, 
just to get an idea how ridiculous things can go. I mean, her boyfriend is a like a superhero thug named Thug Boy. Her superhero team is the is called Super Homies, and her um, arch nemesis, well, quasi arch nemesis on like for superheroes is um, is the uh, is Sister Spooky, who essentially like essentially at first you th- think just hates her for for just for being just for being pathetic, but finds out that apparently um, empowered um, like icy blonde, like um, Nordic, Nordic goddess looks, um, basically remind her of how, of all the girls who used to threat, um, look down on her at high school. So it's, so, I mean, the series has been a lot of fun, but the thing is um, the first volume, the first volume and the fourth volumes are the best because the first volume, he doesn't, um, Warren does this thing in very short chapters. Now it might seem odd at first, but, Eventually, like, like reading through this, you get the feeling that he's just gone done done like a good parts version of of this of like these stories. I mean, he could have done like like full issues based on any of these things, but any of the stories he does in these chapters. But generally, but the way it comes out, like he just you get the same effect, same effect as you that you normally would normally from reading a re- full issue, just from reading these short these short stories right here. And I think that that works really well, and it like builds up to an and eventually that uh, culminates in like a nice, um, excuse me, a nice, um, it's like, it's like basically a nice ending at the end, in, but at, nice resolution at the end of the volume. Now, um, volumes two and three aren't bad, but they, they kind of get, they kind of trade on diminishing returns. Uh, even if they prove that um, Warren like, definitely knows how to A, open a volume and B, close it. Um, as he, um, as he's um, clearly telling an ongoing story here, but he's just not telling you like, Telling, telling it to you in um, it's like in, in concentrated chunks throughout the course of, the, of each volume. That changes in volume four when um, when when empowered um, it when the basically the, uh, the basically the superhero awards um show up and empowered finds out she's nominated for um superhero uh, superhuman most deserving of wider recognition. And problem is this turns out to be a this this year's event turns out to be a big big trap to get all the super all the all the crazy, all the major <coughs> that this year's um, like festivities turns out to be like a big, big event to get to um, lure all the super, all all the superhumans into a into a trap to um, ha- so like, on one of their um, one of the numbers who's been humiliated by them repeatedly over the years so can get their revenge. Oh. It's a good. I like the fact that he's transitioned to doing like an ongoing, like a like a volume length story with with four, even if that doesn't quite. Um, like he doesn't quite maintain that thing throughout Volume Five, but um, it's but I like where he's going with the with the characters. Um, as like not only does, is um empowered um get slowly gaining more confidence, we also find out a lot of um stuff about her former um boyfriend Thug Boy, who uh who basically uh turn we found out that not only did he used is he um formerly he formerly uh, um a, a supervillain henchman. He also um, used to join a cape killer squad back in San Antonio. So basically, all the uh, he's kind of so if everyone found out what his past his past history, he'd actually be number one amongst um, his uh, amongst superhuman communities most wanted. Then, okay, let's see. What was I going to say? Completely lost lost my train of thought here. But uh, but think but um. The main issue I have with with the series, like at this point, is that um, well, well Warren um writes good funny dialogue. His diction, his choice of words, um, gets wearying after a while. It's it's deliberate. The stuff is deliberately overwrought, and it can be funny for a while. But 
at, around volume five, I'm starting to get. I'm starting to wish he just like you no know, dial it back a bit. Oh, oh. now I remember what I was going to say. Volume four also introduces us to what is one of the sensational character finds of the of the decade, um, the goddamn Maid Man. Oh. Now, basically, um, he's basically exactly what it sounds like. He's basically a guy in a maid's costume goes around beating up super super villains. He's basically bat. Imagine if bat. Imagine Batman's awesomeness, like um. If it's like character as awesome as Batman, only wearing a maid suit. Yeah. It's completely ridiculous, but um, Warranty treats it like it treats it um dead straight, and it's just becomes it's just that that much more funnier because of that. It's another reason I love Volume Four so much. But also um, like I, I'm also looking also looking forward also in Volume Four he uh, in Volume Five, he um does do some good. Some good character work at the end, as Sister Spooky um like comes face to face with the um, loss of one of one of her lovers, and um and also like um, um Willie Pete, the um, a flame elemental who um used to, was Thug Boy's last um supervillain um henchman boss before he before he split he um mostly split from the life. Um, basically, come comes calling on them. It's it's good stuff. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this where things go with it. I mean, like. I, I love the fact that um, with volumes one through four, we got them on a six-month um, basis. But now, um, with um, volumes five and six, it seems like um, Warren has shifted, has shifted um, towards giving us, giving them to, uh, giving them to us um, like once every, once every year. And no, I don't want that. I want every six months, man. It's like I love this. Like I, I want to see where you're going with this, and I want to, and like I want to see, see more of it. I mean, granted, it's probably like the. Um, the ridiculous, the, the, the series' inherent sexiness and fan service isn't going. It's definitely not to be everyone's taste, but it's lots. But it's definitely a lot smarter than you expect for a series of trades and that kind of stuff. So, I so I'd, I'd recommend it to the like to the to more adventurous um like fan, fans of this kind of stuff. And you know that's pretty much all I have. So like on one hand, oh. Let me just conclude this by saying the reason I didn't talk about what is probably the most, by and large, the most successful and widely known of English language manga, um, Fred Gallagher's um, Mega Tokyo, is because I read I, I've read Mega Tokyo a couple couple years back, several years ago, found it to be um, very well illustrated, and just not having a plot or characters that I was interested in at all. Yeah, it's more I, like your I Sunday, think it's, it's more like your Sunday morning comic, huh? Yeah, it's just kind it's, of, it's just it's there. It's it, it's there. I mean, like the the story storyline is just um, not non-existent, not not yeah, non-existent, just no unfocused. And you know, hey, if you want to um, say that I'm wrong, then hey, it's like well, that's what the site's here for. Cool. So so hey, like let me know. But otherwise, I think it's, it's I think it's junk. And you know, like I would I'd be talking about it more right now, but I got better things to do with my time than actually pay than than pay to read it or just like. Go over to the site and leaf through the archives. So, yeah, and and on that note, let, let me just say that you know it's like it's that original English language, language manga. It's like you know, first I thought it was something to be derided, but now it's like, hey, it's like no, there's there's quality work being done in the field. Granted, it's by a few few people, but I figure it's going only going to get bet, better as things go on. So it's just you know, eventually it's like, hey, I'm sure it'll be around long enough that hey, people won't be able to make the distinction between. Between things, but well, we're like a decade, maybe even more, um, like away away from from being that from from being to that point. So, so best of luck to all the creators here, and hey, and I look forward to reading 
reading more from all of the creators that I discussed in this podcast. And God damn, this went for on for fucking ever. So, <laughs> just going to um, call it a night, everyone, and we'll see you again in two weeks' time. All right. Take you later. <laughs>